Hello and welcome to another Strewn Along the Path. Today we have one of the runners-up or the honorable mentions from the Edgar Allan Poe writing contest that I did over on Journey Into a couple months ago. And this is the first of two that I'm going to put on here. So I hope you enjoy this story. Again, it's based on an Edgar Allan Poe title. And this one, folks, happens to be a Western. So I hope you enjoy and I'll talk to you after the story. Leap Day by John Tansy Yips, whistles, and cries rippled across the thin, arid air. He peered through the buffalo grass. He couldn't see them. Arapaho? Maybe Cheyenne? He wasn't sure. He didn't get a good look when they had sprung on him. From their hair, they could be either. He was in a shallow depression at the top of the rise up against the Washita, where he had taken refuge barely ahead of his pursuers. A few of them were to his front, making distracting noises, but he figured others would circle behind to come at him from the riverside. He surprised them instead, getting off two shots with the Springfield, keeping them at bay. He then turned back around and shot at some movement in the tall buffalo grass. Immediately, several arrows arching high into the air came thudding down around him. One arrow, so launched, had struck deep into the inner thigh of his left leg. The pain was intense, and blood throbbed out, drenching his pant leg. He grasped the arrow shaft and pulled gently, but it didn't come loose. The sun beat down, and sweat dripped from his face, yet his teeth were chattering and his breath came in quick, shallow gasps. He couldn't turn onto his stomach because of the arrow. He lay on his side. They didn't know he was hurt or they would have rushed him. He inched back again to the riverside of his defensive position and peered over the edge of the depression. He saw two Indians by the river. He brought the Springfield to his shoulder. His vision was blurry, but he put the front sight as best he could on one of them and squeezed off a shot. Startled yips and cries, they scattered. That shot must have been too close for comfort. A handful of arrows thudded in the ground, just short of him. He inched back to the other side, trying not to drag the arrow on the ground. Just moving had him biting his lip in agony. He flipped up the breech of the Springfield, and a spent cartridge flicked out. He took a fresh cartridge from his pocket and slipped it into the chamber, closing the breech with a click. His body heaved as he gulped air. He felt faint. He wasn't afraid to die, but he was afraid about how he might die. When scouting for hunters, he'd come across men who had died at the hands of Indians. They'd been stripped naked, slashed with knives, their privates cut off and stuffed into their mouths, ears and eyelids cut off, scalped. One had been staked out to the ground, that one had been alive when the Indians did their work. He didn't want that. He feared that. He shuddered as a chill seized him. Yet his legs burned. He could feel his hip slipping in a pool of blood. He pulled his Remington conversion from his holster and opened the loading gate. One at a time he ejected three spent cartridges and slipped in three fresh ones. His fingers ran over the cylinder's warm bluing. Leap year. 
Funny he'd think about that now. The minister of the church his family attended back east had said leap year was the evidence of God's great love for man, as it gave an extra day to worship God and atone for sins. Well, this was a leap year. He couldn't heft the Springfield up to his shoulder any longer. He stretched out his arm and snapped off two shots with the Remington. That might keep them at bay long enough for him to rest. His leg didn't hurt so much now. He laid his face against the ground and closed his eyes. He felt a tickling on his cheek and opened his eyes. A snort of breath blew on his face. He rolled over to stare into the muzzle of a horse. Renzi? he said. I thought I had run you into the ground. I thought the hostels would have you for dinner. But she was fine. He sat up and checked his leg. No arrow. No blood. No pain. Renzi. Could it have all been a bad dream? God bless, it was all a dream. We're both alive! He was lying on the bare ground. He must have passed out from the heat. He got up and dusted himself off, and ran his hands over the back of his head, legs, and joints. No pain or apparent damage. Come on, Renzi. He swung up onto Renzi, the saddle creaking beneath his weight. It felt good. He stretched his legs, leaned forward, and pressed his face against the horse's neck and mane. She was warm and smelt her good, familiar smell. She snickered. Let's go, Renzi. He pressed his knee into her side, and she turned, heading west following the Washita. Before long, they came to a coppice of cottonwood, a good place to camp for the night, good cover with a clear view of the surroundings. He got Renzi's saddle off, led her to the river to drink, then back to the coppice, where she had plenty of lush grass to eat and would not be easily seen. It was then that he saw the big jackrabbit about fifty yards off. He surveyed the expanse all about. No sign of a soul anywhere, but the land was rolling, and there was plenty he couldn't see. But it was worth the risk to make a shot. He was hungry, too. He followed the river a short distance before coming back up onto the plain, where he had a nearer view of the rabbit. He cocked the hammer of the Springfield and took aim at the rabbit's head. It had to be a headshot. A body shot with a big fifty caliber slug would tear it up unto uselessness. The air was crystal clear. The sights lined up. The shot banged out, and the rabbit's body somersaulted high into the air. Perfect. Back at camp, he pulled the pelt off like a union suit, gutted it, and split the rabbit from neck to crotch. He made a simple frame with twigs to hold the body open, dug a pit, and made a small fire. The desiccated cottonwood burnt almost smokeless. Renzi snorted quietly and chewed. I'm going to have some supper too, Renzi, he said. He threaded a piece of sapling through the rabbit's frame and laid it above the fire on two forked sticks. He made a backrest of some brush and his saddle blanket and reclined himself back giving the rabbit a quarter turn on the spit now and then. The emerging night sky was purple blackness, starkly clear like he'd never seen before. The stars pinpoints of fire. He fed twigs into the fire and sprinkled coarse salt 
from a pouch onto the rabbit. When the fire died down, he sliced a morsel from the rabbit with a belt knife. It was good. Renzi, he called. This is the best supper I ever ate. How about you? In short order, nothing was left but bones. He leaned back against his made-up couch and took a pipe and tobacco from the saddlebag. He worked tobacco between thumb and forefinger, stuffed it into the bowl, struck a match that sprinkled red, green, and yellow, and drew smoke the flavor of molasses and spices deep into his lungs. Content? He soon fell asleep. Dawn emerged fresh and sweet. He felt refreshed, too, and built a new fire, and hung a small pot of water over it. A handful of crushed beans tossed in soon became a brew of coffee. The rays of the sun sifted over the eastern horizon. The coffee was strong and good. It was a new day, and anything was possible. He packed up his kit, saddled Renzi, and set off following the course of the Washita. The sun had risen a quarter way up the eastern sky when he noticed buzzards circling high in the distance. By the time the sun was overhead, they came upon a butchered horse. Chunks of meat had been removed from its haunches, and the stomach had been opened. Its head was just like Renzi's. There was a bear patch behind its cheek, just like the one on Renzi. Renzi seemed not to notice the dead animal. He nudged her with a knee, and they went on. When they had gone so far that the sun was a quarter of the way down the western sky, he saw buzzards circling high in the distance again. What could that be, Renzi? he asked, feeling unsettled. By the time the sun was close to the horizon, they approached a rise that looked over the river. It formed a shallow bowl, and in it lay a naked corpse. Nothing else was there but the body. Nose, ears, eyelids, and lips cut out, privates cut off and cast at the side. There was nothing recognizable about the mutilated body, but he felt a sense of relief. Renzi seemed not to notice the corpse. Off in the distance, a long, straggling line of people were heading towards the sunset. Purple darkness ascended into the sky as night fell. He nudged the horse with his knee, and they turned to the west. Come on, Renzi. We're going home. There you go. That was Leap Day by John Tanzi. And, you know, it was a good story. It was a fun story. I liked that it was told in a Western setting. And, you know, that was, you don't think of something associated with Edgar Allan Poe being a Western. And like I said, I thought it was a good story and it was fine to read, but I didn't think it was as good as some of the stories that I picked as a winner. A couple of things about it that maybe would be just, there was a paragraph in there about it being leap year and leap day and, you know, something he'd heard his minister say. You know, that felt just a little bit too just placed in the story to make it fit with the theme of the contest. But I thought it was a fun read and I enjoyed getting it. 
it and reading it for the contest. And I wanted to read it here on the podcast just to show you the different types of stories that we had. Give it some time. Since I only had five people enter, I figured they, they could at least hear their stories. So yeah, I, th- I thought this was a good one. It kind of reminds me, you know, of course, the theme has been used before of somebody dying and we see their sojourn <laughs> onto death, that maybe not realizing they're dead at the time. So that's been done. It reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode, surprisingly. It was right after the Civil War. A guy comes by, you know, a wounded soldier comes by, and there's a woman in front of her house and fanning herself, and she's been sick. Being outside makes her feel better. And anyway, he strikes up a conversation and gets some water and ends up kind of staying there, helping her recoup. But meanwhile, all these other soldiers and all these people are, are traveling by on the road in front of them, watching them go by and whatnot. And it ends up that essentially all these people have died in the Civil War, and both of the main characters that we've been watching are dead. She died sick in her home, and and he died in the war. And he feels that they need to go on, that they need to follow everybody on this road and go to where they're going, of course, to death, to accept their fate. I can't remember everything that happens in there, but at the very end, Abraham Lincoln comes down the road, because of course he'd been shot after the Civil War. He was the last last man in line coming down the road on his way to death and whatever lied ahead. And, you know, that was kind of a, a neat story for the Twilight Zone. That made me think of that reading Leap Day. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that. And uh, I'll have another story coming in a little bit. The last story from the contest. And have a good day. Be back next time to see what else is strewn along the path. Strewn Along the Path is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Feel free to share it, but do not change it or sell it. The theme music, as always, is brought to you by Man in Space.